Welcome to Full Rigor, Florida True Crime Podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. Hi, I'm Jennifer Ross. And I'm Lexi Bear. Did you kill anybody, Jen? No, no not recently. <laughs> no, just maybe a, a, you know, a pig or two, but no people this week. Thank you. We missed you last week. We talked about our friend Bundy. You know what? In the, the, I'm really sorry I missed it because he's one of my favorite serial killers. He's like the most he, well, notorious. Well, next to the, you know, maybe the Boston Strangler or, you know, uh, Jack the Ripper. Yeah, Ted Bundy, most modern day serial killer, most known. And oh. they just did a whole special on him on the ID channel. They did. I was like, oh, my God. Did you know, though, that his father was his grandfather? Or his grandfather was his father? I didn't know that. What? what? His grandfather, whom he lived with, who abused him, was his father. So the father had sex with his daughter. Right. And okay. that's where Ted Bundy came from. Uh, Explains many things. Know. Neither did I. So that's that special. He lived with the grandfather and his mother, thinking the grandfather was his grandfather. And he found out after the fact that it was his father. Well, Ted Bundy's mom, Eleanor Louise Cowell, defended him to the bitter end, saying, you'll always be my precious son. And you know what? That whole other one that they did uh, where uh, it was his, the girlfriend's perspective. It was nothing like that. The girlfriend was the one who turned him in right away. She went to the officials. Yeah. Lexi looked like several of the victims, so we took the podcast as the angle from his victims and his girlfriends and, mm-hmm. you know, how yeah, he, he was his, with women. Yeah, but most of them are brunettes, so you would have been safe. Well, she is a brunette. Yeah. You are? Oh, yes. oh, you're in trouble then, yeah. Well, it was like uh, Son of Sam. I was in New York City right after when Son of Sam was going on. You didn't go outside. New York City was, when I tell you, you could walk down Fifth Avenue, and if you saw five people, you'd be surprised. It was scary. Well, the same thing happened at the University of Florida in Gainesville with the... Ripper. The Gainesville Ripper. Danny Harold Rowling. Remember they called him Rowling for so long? Yeah, oh my God. And then Rollins University was like, no, 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 his name's Rowling. (laughs) Well, it's spelled like a rolling pin. Yeah. Uh, 52 at the time that he was executed... He was a murderous, serial, rapist, mutilator. Yeah, he was creepy. Paralyzed the entire college town of Gainesville with fear. This would have been between 1989 and 1990. I was at Channel 25 here, and right. we sent a crew up there to cover it. That's, uh, yeah, I wasn't born yet. Oh, shut up. A lot of people, a lot of really? people had kids that were going to school up there. Were like, get home, get home. Oh, I would have. You know what? Because this guy, he wasn't like Ted Bundy. You know, Ted Bundy walked into a sorority house that was unlocked. This right. guy broke into places. It's uh, There's a big difference. With I a mean, screwdriver yeah, he, that they found at his campsite and didn't know it was his campsite. Uh, yeah, well, that's, uh, that's where we're getting ahead of ourselves. Oh. But th- this guy, was he was diabolical. He was a creep. Not that, not, that, that, not that Ted Bundy was any better, but this guy was really bad. And he was a musician. Yes. I just wanted to play this little lovely thing for you. It's just the way it is. Take the good with the bad. I'm sign off for a little bit. I got something I gotta do. Gotta kill somebody. G2G, TTYL. Gotta go talk to you later. <laughs> Got to Gotta go, gotta kill someone. That's Danny Roll. He had he recorded himself and the tapes were found at his campsite near Gainesville. He in wanted, the woods. He wanted to be a star. Gotta go. I got something I gotta do. How chilling is that? Scary. Oh. So, um, He's, again, a serial killer who raped, like Bundy, had sex with the corpses, and was a mutilator. He would disembowel, 
behead. And he yeah. spent a long time in, at the crime scene. Yeah, and then he would stage all the bodies, right? In Wasn't a sexual that? manner. Yeah, it was, he was to creepy. Just, to be even more provocative. So Senator Rod Smith, he was the Alachua County State Attorney at the time. And this is what he said about the scene. The crime scenes were terrible. Uh, the killer was somebody who was obviously a histrionic personality. Likes to stage and uh, make a production out of the events. When you found them, they were that way. The bodies were posed. They were posed in sexually explicit positions or they were posed in positions designed to terrify people when they walked into the crime scene. And you know what else they said that he would also try to make them look scary, not just sexual. He'd either want to instill fear or make some kind of statement. And he did. He got off their head and put it on a shelf and used mirrors to reflect them so when you came in, you'd see it. The, the killer wanted to leave a message uh, with the carnage and the posing. It was all very well staged and, and really kind of a production. Like a movie. Didn't they make a movie after him? Scream. Yes, Scream, they did. that whole mask thing, scary. He did wear a mask. He wore like a ski mask. So... Go ahead and tell me about his early life, Lexi. You have information on yeah. that. Like he shot his father, who was a cop, in the face. Well, you know mm -hmm. what? Uh, quite honestly, after what his father did to him, I could understand why he did it. His father was not a nice man. Definitely not, but... but he shot his eye and his ear off. He's a very <laughs> disturbed okay. individual, this Danny Rowling. And his mother actually tried to leave the father multiple times, who was in law enforcement, but she never did. And eventually she was put in a mental institution for cutting her wrists. Oh. And that's all along with the father being abusive towards Danny. Apparently, the first time he abused Danny was at the age of one because he wasn't crawling right. Yeah, he didn't crawl right. Then they caught him outside the neighbor's daughter's window peeping, so they beat the crap out of him for that. He was a Shreveport, Louisiana police lieutenant. The father was. Wow. He did horrific things to this kid. So if you don't believe that uh, nurturing, you know, makes a great individual... Uh, just look at this guy's history. I'm not giving him an excuse. No. But I mean, if anybody had a reason to be a serial killer or crazy, this guy did. But it, what's interesting is that not only did he teach Danny Rowling how to take it, you know, beat the him, he also taught him how to clean up a crime scene. Yes. Um, two of Danny's victims, he cleaned the bodies. And at another crime scene, he wore gloves, according to investigators, which made them believe that he had experience with law enforcement. Yeah, he actually used, like, bleach and detergent and all that to, to wipe the semen well, off. It, but he was a secretor. Ah, so there. It, he was, he, he was, and, you know, DNA was acceptable at that time, too, so that probably helped. That's right. It was at 86, 87 was right. the first case in Tampa, and then they started using it. But they didn't get, they didn't get it. They didn't get, because he started, after he killed three people, he shot his dad in the face. But this was in Shreveport, Louisiana. And then he came to Florida and raped a woman in Sarasota. She lived. And then he went to Gainesville. So he kind of left left this path of just like Bundy, destruction just of destruction behind him but the dna never matched up but they they got him because his mo was the same which most serial killers have a, a signature yeah, they do they they usually kill the same way and then they usually take a trophy it's with the staging and the trophy right. and what he did and they said this thing in shreveport looks a lot like what happened in gainesville well they actually took three years to find him and they had over 600 suspects because he covered his tracks so well yeah and by the way, I told you he's a secretor. It means that your ABO blood type is not only in your blood, but it's in your body fluids like saliva and mucus. And so he bit the breast of the woman in Shreveport. And so they had that there. They could get his blood type and everything. It all eventually synced up.
Very Bundy thing to do. Yes, the biting of the breast. Well, you know, I always wondered if the reason he picked Gainesville was to outdo Ted Bundy because of Florida State. It's true. That's interesting. Uh, that was always my take. It was a guy that wanted to up Ted Bundy. Well, he spent time behind bars for armed robbery in Georgia, Alabama, and Mississippi, but he said, Lucifer told me eight souls for every year I'd done in prison. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Counting the triple homicide in Shreveport, he had killed at least eight people. Jeez. And got his father pretty good. Well, first of all, let's go back into his family life because he seemed to have a normal life. He was uh, got married. He had a wife. He had a kid. He had a kid? Yeah. He also uh, spent time in the Navy, I believe, and then he got kicked out. Air drug Force, use, right? Air Force for drug use. Just kind of like... Uh, Hunter Biden. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds similar. Yeah, right? any, any hookers involved anywhere? I don't know. Okay, just asking. So it was brief that he lived sort of a normal life. He became active in the Pentecostal church. He got married. He had a daughter. And his mom claimed that he lost it after his wife filed for divorce. Like Ooh. you do. So that was his trigger. Yes. Well, just like with Bundy in the last podcast, his ex-girlfriend from college ghosting him was his trigger. So she I see a common theme. And everything was for Diane Edwards. She's like, Diane Edwards. For you. So he would turn to crime and spend extended periods of time behind bars. He also, when he was a kid, he ran away and he lived in the woods. Just like he, he liked living in the woods and putting his head down on the ground. Something he was about a drifter, it. right? Yeah. That yeah. makes me think of Otis Tool. I was joking with you guys before the show that if Bundy and Otis Tool had a baby, it would be Danny Rowland. That's true. <laughs> and why That's does everybody creepy. come to Florida? Why do these serial killers come to Florida? It always goes back to Florida. Because the weather's nice and we have the death penalty. <laughs> oh, they want to die. They want to die. They want to get caught. Because they want to be their last own victim. Right. But in the case of Rowling, he wanted to upstage Ted Bundy. That was his whole point. He wanted to be more famous than Ted Bundy. Well, I don't know if you've watched video of him, but he's very charismatic. He's tall and lean. He's got blue eyes. Not to glorify him by any means, but there's something charismatic about him. But apparently he's a Jekyll and Hyde, right? Yeah, prosecutors described him as a chameleon. One minute he was very soft-spoken and polite and, you know, Southern hospitality. And then the next minute, Karen, what was that story in the courtroom where he pulled his hairs out? Oh, right. Well, no, they, it wasn't in the courtroom. It was in the jail, in the conference room with the attorneys. And they're like, we need 50 pubic hairs. He stands up. He stands up, pulls his orange prison suit down right in front of his female attorney, and he takes a handful of his pubic hair and rips it out with both fists and puts it on the table, and he goes, that should be 50. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was a nut. Wow. Let's be honest. So talking about this, the Grisham family, so after his wife left him, he snapped, and he killed William who was 55, the father, the daughter, Julie, 24, and the grandson, Sean. He uh, just killed the eight-year-old at the end for no good reason. They were horrible. preparing dinner, and he broke into the apartment, stabbed them all to death. He likes stabbing people. The, the, he was a ripper. The ripper. You know, there's Jack the Ripper's one of the most famous ones, but I was actually doing research, and there's rippers in different countries because the nickname comes from mutilating women's bodies, or I guess not women, but mutilating bodies in general, and that's what Danny Rowling would do. Ugh. So they were eating dinner. He stabbed them all. He actually, Julie, the 24-year-old, he raped and posed her. Bite marks were found on her breast. Just like, that's what got Ted Bundy, was the bite mark. Right, remember? On the ass of the one. Yeah. Not to be 
cold. But anyway, Rowling, who is long considered the only suspect in the 1989 murder of the Grisham family, after police found similarities at the crime scenes, confessed to their murders in the moments before he was executed. So they really didn't have closure until the very end. Way, way after. Wow. He just had a nervous breakdown. He got dumped by his wife, went and killed this family, shot his father in the face. Then he goes to Sarasota. He changes his identity. He becomes... Oh, Kennedy. What's his name? Michael Kennedy Jr. He stole someone's ID in another robbery. So he got into a fight with his father, shot him in the face, shot him twice. He shot him in the stomach, shot him in the face. And the guy lived. And he was, yeah. But he, he lost his ear and his eye. Blew his eye out. And so he was wanted for attempted murder, so he fled Louisiana. But of course, they didn't know about the Grisham family. He's a killer. He leaves Louisiana by bus. This is long. You know, didn't they put out APBs? Isn't that like one of the first places you, you check is the bus? Well, plus his dad is a cop. That's what I was thinking. He's in law enforcement. There's this murder. How far was it from his father? Not far. And then he's shot in the face. Oh, let me just not say anything. Well, he didn't shoot his mouth out. He shot his ear and his eye. Yeah, but I got a feeling he wasn't talking. I mean, you get shot in the head. He was hear no evil, see no evil, but he could still say. You don't know about the monkeys. You're too young. Kind of similar to not my circus, not my monkeys, right? Yes. He had his ear and his eye blown out, but he could still speak like the three wise monkeys. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. But he could still speak. His, His injuries were so probably horrific that he gets shot in the eye that they probably had him stabilized somewhere. He might have been able to talk, but they probably knocked him out. Well, he was wanted for attempted murder, but he fled Louisiana. He ended up in Sarasota. He broke into the home of Janet Frake, raped her. And you know what she did? This is amazing. She reportedly talked her way out of becoming Rowling's fourth murder victim. Yes, I saw it in the Discovery documentary. She said that she knew he was odd, and so she befriended him and let him do everything horrific, nonetheless, that he did to her that night and manipulated him into letting her live and... She's actually quoted saying, he thought he had the power, but in the end, I was the one with the power. Yeah, she won. That's Uh, amazing. Isn't that great? What did she say to him that he didn't kill her? Do you remember? Well, remember, this reminds me of the girl on the bicycle. Remember that got taken, the 17-year-old, and she's now a deputy, and she turned on the the guy, and she she goes, I'll be your girlfriend. So uh, she reportedly talked her way out of it, and though Rowling wore a mask, he was never charged with the crime, but he left DNA evidence. Remember, he's a secretor, and right. it triggered Sarasota police in 1996 to—they got a match in 1996. Remember, his killings were in 89 to 90. Yeah, well, it took him six years, yeah. a little late. So in late August 1990, Rowling rolled up <laughs> into Gainesville, home of the University of Florida, setting up a campsite in the woods outside of town, and— as I said, he used to do that when he was a kid and he would run away. And the morning hours of August 24th, armed with a pistol and a military hunting knife, he broke into the apartment of Sonia Larson and Christina Powell, two teenage first-year students at the University of Florida. How horrible. Here you are, you think you send your kids off to school and you worry about them, but you never think this is going to happen. No, it was a Marine K bar seven inch long blade with a purpose to kill. Yeah, it's a. And he wasn't panicked. He took his time. He duct taped carefully. Yeah, he staged the bodies. The campus security guard found the women because the parents called and were like, Where are my kids? We haven't heard from them in a couple of days. We just sent them off and so on and so forth. He, he murdered Larson, first covering her mouth with duct tape, stabbing her in her sleep, thank God. He then raped Powell before killing her and cutting off her nipples, which he took, as as you said, Jen, as uh, trophies. trophies. Afterwards, he cleaned the crime scene, posed both victims in sexual positions, 
And uh, the next day, he killed Christina Hoyt, 18. Mm-hmm. Her body was found propped up, sitting on her bed, bent over at the waist. Rowling had sliced off her nipples and then left them on the bed next to her. Jeez. And they discovered that her torso had been sliced open. He ripped her from the pelvic bone all the way up, like disemboweled her, from her chest to her pubic bone, severed her head, perched that on the shelf across the room. Then, um, Doesn't it make you wonder what it was about this woman? That he did that much harm to He's and that she, much damage. He raped her, so that got I mean, real personal. It makes you wonder, did she look like his mother? Or his ex-wife. Or his ex-wife. And then two days later, he killed roommates Tracy Paulus and uh, Manuel Taboda. Remember him? He was 23. He didn't he know the there was that, a guy there. Yeah, he, well, wasn't he the one who fought back? Yes. He fought back, I thought. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, I, it's all coming back to me. I He's a big kid. The, man, and so that's why all the guns went away, because guys are like, this isn't just a chick thing. He's killing guys. He's, and, and Taboda was a much stronger, bigger guy than Danny. Yeah, this murder was particularly gruesome. Manny was killed first, and then his roommate Tracy woke up, and she actually tried to run away from him. She barricaded herself in her bedroom, and he broke oh, open he the, broke, door, he broke down the door. And he was covered in blood, carrying a large oh. knife. And apparently she said, you're the one, aren't you? And he said, yeah, I'm the one. Then he stripped, bound, raped, and stabbed her to death. I guess they found that out from him. Well, I think that's what he told the director of the movie Scream. Uh, the guy's a creep, but can you imagine you barricade yourself in a room, you think yourself, and he breaks down the door? The rage. Oh, my God. The that's rage. Horrible. So See, We before, do these things, you know, I don't sleep at night, so I'm thanks. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was not charged in the Gainesville slings until 1992. He was serving a life sentence for armed robbery and other crimes. That's how they got him. He was charged with building up a grocery store. He started a shootout with deputies. Oh, too bad they didn't shoot him. Well, then again, you know, they never would have found out, though, about the murders in Shreveport or this, the ones in Gainesville. Yes. Well, this was a few days after the last bodies were found, and he was in jail ever since. But he went to a Winn-Dixie, and it was 1 p.m. He was wearing a floppy fisherman's cap, Bermuda shorts, deck shoes, sunglasses. He entered the Winn-Dixie, which it closed. like a tourist. Yes. He says, this is a robbery. Get your money out. And then, according to the witness, the clerk retrieved the money and he said, bless you. Come on. <laughs> yeah, right. They, they get, this is why they arrested him. They still didn't know he was murdering no. people. But then they find his campsite, which is loaded. It's got the screwdriver from how he jimmied the doors and got into their apartments. You it's got what? tapes of him singing and confessing. Stop right there, because the way he got into all these apartments, and this is the reason I put I used to put a board on my sliding glass door, was he broke through sliding glass doors because they pop right out. He would stalk his victims beforehand, learn yeah. their routine, well, and then go through the door. Know, well, here's the FDLE toolmark expert to your point. When I first saw the identification on the microscope, it, I was very surprised because up to that point, I had no indication that the screwdriver might be involved. Very surprising. This is the screwdriver. Yeah. Thank God he kept all his tools. Yes, he did. Because in most kept, cases, they throw them away. He kept bloody clothes from Christina. I mean, he had DNA from the crime scenes there. He had everything was at his campsite. So the homicide rate in Gainesville is in single digits. So this paralyzed the town, let me tell you. Oh, I remember. No one wanted to go to the University of Florida or to no. Santa Fe Community College. Well, they shut, it, they shut it down for a week. And he was still at large until September 8th when they arrested him for that botched robbery. But... 
they were out of guns. But then there were the, the people who were desperate to feel safe and they would go to the gun stores, the pawn shops, and get weapons. All the gun stores at Gainesville and the surrounding area were totally sold out of guns. Yeah. Can you blame people? No. No. The chief medical examiner, William Hamilton, did the post-mortem on all five victims, and this is what he said. The number of stab wounds on the bodies varied from one fatal wound on his third victim to 31 wounds on his fourth victim. I think as much violence was perpetrated on each victim as was considered necessary to accomplish the task at hand. So before his execution, police would learn the Gainesville murders weren't the only homicides and the entire affair would inspire the movie. Scream. Scream. One of the most famous horror films of all time. But that mask in Scream is so yeah, scary. It's, it's that, yeah, that white thing with the black lines on it. He That's wore a look ski at mask. Yeah. So I guess they morphed that into that. So after the murders, no one immediately charged, but authorities had rolling as a prime suspect eventually. First off, it was Edward Humphrey. Remember him? No, I don't. He was the he was the second suspect, but Edward Humphreys became a suspect. He apparently punched his grandmother in the face, and she didn't want to press charges. She had this big bruise on her face, and he he was a college student at the time, and he had mental illness and wasn't medicated. And he said some kind of weird stuff, and he went into a bank and he said something disturbing to a teller. So at the time when all this stuff is kind of in the same pot boiling brewing, yeah. brewing he says this he told me something that just really really you know bothered me he says he had knives at home that could flay the skin off my off my body and it's like good lord yeah i'd say good lord too it is this guy i can understand that and he had cow. this big scar on his face he looked just terrifying and he was 18 he was public enemy number one task force of police agencies in Gainesville searching for the killer they said that they zeroed in on Humphrey he was then a University of Florida student from India Atlantic and he had a penchant for knives history of strange behavior and he had just been jailed on charges of hitting his grandmother in the face it's the profile his photo was plastered in all the newspapers on television Authorities examined every aspect of his life. Who does this remind you of from the Atlanta Olympics? Oh, God, what's his Ju- name? Jewel. Uh, Jewel, that's right. What's Richard, his first? Richard, Richard Jewel. Jewel. Same thing. And dug into his history of erratic behavior. They searched his home, his car, took fingerprints, hair, blood, and samples. But you know what? <laughs> None of it matched. Can you imagine being that guy, though? And and now the world hates you because I remember like the Richard Jewell thing. They remember they thought he blew up the Olympic site. Yeah. Oh, well, it seemed that he was on the fast track to death row. But the monster that they were looking for was Louisiana drifter Danny Rowling. And he eventually confessed to the crimes. But Ed Humphrey, it turned out, was just a young man with a vivid imagination, mental illness left unchecked. He was never charged in the Gainesville cases, though. So, but he did just saving grace. Jeez. Ten years afterward, he did get his diploma from the University oh, wow. of Central Florida. Oh, look at that. Yeah, he became a college graduate. So, because Edward Humphreys graduated with a degree in business administration with a three point seven six grade point average. Holy cow! And he graduated magna cum laude. So good for him. Good for him. That tells you something. I mean, it just it's like night and day. Medicated, not medicated. Anyway, so what was Back his? Back to our lovely Danny <laughs> Rowling. What was his last meal? Oh, I saw this. Lobster Lexi was tail, talking about shrimp, baked potatoes, strawberry cheesecake, and sweet tea. Sounds good. I don't know how, how he didn't get gumbo. That's right. Gumbo's maybe, good. Maybe he didn't want to try Florida gumbo. He only wanted Louisiana <laughs> gumbo.
So here's the thing. They stopped using Old Sparky, remember, because the flames were shooting out from the guy's head? Right. So now they went to lethal injection, and uh, when he was lying on the gurney there, and what would you say about the number of people, Lexi, that were there watching it? Oh, yeah, it? Um, twice as many. 47 people went to witness his execution. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, I would assume, were, were those like friends of the girls? Or are they all well, family members? I know his rape victim was there from yeah. Sarasota. Yeah, she was there. So he didn't have any words of remorse, nor did he get, ask for any forgiveness. Instead, he sang a hymn while lying on the gurney. That was nice of him. He turned his head and briefly gazed with his pale blue eyes at the mother of one of his five victims, then sang for about three minutes in a haunting Louisiana drawl Great. about angels and mountains. And then as the lethal injection drugs were pumped into his vein, Rowling chanted the refrain, none greater than thee, O Lord, none greater than thee. He was pronounced dead at 6.13 p.m., 13 minutes after he started singing, two minutes after his body stopped quivering and his jowls fell, puffed and discolored. He was the 63rd person executed since 1973. This guy's like Jed from The Bachelorette last season. Even on his deathbed, he's still promoting his failed music career. <laughs> this is kind of what it would have been like because there wasn't a microphone there, but when Rowling was in court, right before he was supposed to go to trial, he confessed to the murders, the five. Right. But then the jury had to go in and come back with a verdict in terms of death or life. Right. And they came back with death. And this is him in the courtroom one day. Could I address the court? I recall the day I first saw you. I reached out to say I love you. But it was hard to say I couldn't touch you. And all you want to be deep or shallow. Okay, excuse me, Mr. Rollins. Mr. Rollins. Hello. Mr. Rollins. Tell me, baby. Is that the judge, I assume? Yeah. Yeah, they finally got But you know what? Sad. He had a pretty nice voice. He did. You, Put him in a studio. He I, would have been a, a country western star. I want you to hear this. It's really, 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 really kind of weird and scary. <laughs> idea that's that's a recording he did himself but i mean he always wanted to be a star with his murders with his failed music career yeah <laughs> in fact when he was 11 he started playing music he got his first guitar and his guitar was one of the pieces of evidence that they ended up burning in 2008 when he was 11 he picked up uh, music to cope with his abusive father there you go i and told you he played his guitar sang hymns and about the time his mother was committed to the hospital after she slit her wrists he picked up drugs and alcohol which made his already fragile mental state worse i don't think that helped this is the last thing i'll leave you with in terms of danny it's just the way it is take the good with the bad I'm going to sign off for a little bit. i got something i got to do. i got to go kill somebody. That's scary. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Lexi. Thanks for having me, guys. Next time. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.